We're officially eight hours into Pride Month, and here is what has happened so far. The cartoon Blue's Clues is teaming up with a drag queen to indoctrinate kids into LGBT ideology. Kellogg's Cereal wants kids to choose their own gender pronouns. And a first grade teacher is instructing six-year-olds to pleasure themselves. Meanwhile, the leading squish Republicans out there are giving speeches about how we have to ignore all of that. For them, you see, perverts in virtually every powerful institution in the country preying on your kids, it's just a culture war distraction from the far more forward-looking task of cutting taxes like it's 1986. On the bright side, though, there is some good news out of BLM. There's a major new expose on Dr. Fauci's role in the pandemic and a lot more. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from Friday is from Black Metal Matters, who says, they made conservatives wear masks for a year. Let's make them wear dunce caps for at least that long. Oh, it's going to be longer, my man. I agree with the sentiment, but it's going to be much longer than that because the masks are still going on and the dunce caps are uh, uh, unfortunately harder to find. But I agree, we should be doling them out. Absolutely. You know, when you want to you know, push back against that crazy leftist woke mob. Great way to do it. Listen to the Jordan Harbinger show. Make sure to check out Jordan Harbinger's new show, the Jordan Harbinger show. Jordan's show, which Apple named as one of its best in 2018, is aimed at making you better informed, a more critical thinker so that you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening even inside your own brain. Each episode is a conversation with a different fascinating guest. When I say there's something for everyone here, I really mean that. In one episode, Jordan talks to a hostage negotiator from the FBI who offers techniques on how to get people to like and trust you, which sounds extremely useful. Slightly disturbing, but, but very useful. It's very how to win friends and influence people. Important stuff. Jordan recently had Oliver North on. The libs did not like that very much, as you might imagine. Uh, we really enjoy this show. We think that you will as well. There is just so much there. You can head on over to jordanharbinger.com start. Uh, you can get some episode recommendations there. Or very simple. You can just search the Jordan Harbinger show as H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Go check out the Jordan Harbinger show today. Hope you all had a terrific long weekend. That's what it was, right? That's according to the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris. It was just a long weekend. She got, she got in a lot of trouble for tweeting this out. She didn't say, grateful to all those who've served. Think about all the wonderful men and women who gave their lives this solemn weekend of Memorial Day. No, she said, enjoy the long weekend and posted a picture of herself. And when she did that, typically, you know, as you might expect, everyone reacted on the right, on the left, they didn't really react on the right, they did. And I thought, you know, this is a troll. They know what they're doing. The staffers who run that account know exactly what they're doing. To me, it was the liberal version of the Trump Cinco de Mayo tweet. Do you remember? This is one of my favorite tweets Trump ever sent out. He, on Cinco de Mayo, it's him eating a taco bowl in his office. And he said, the best taco bowls in the country are at Trump Tower. I love Hispanics. <laughs> and it was a perfect tweet because it totally trolled the multiculturalists. And, and it succeeded at doing that. The Kamala tweet, I think, was just the liberal version of that. But instead of trolling multiculturalists, because we're not multiculturalists, it was trolling patriots. And so it's 
terrible. That's awful. It's very distasteful. But I do think they know what they're doing. I don't think that either tweet, Trump's Cinco de Mayo tweet or Kamala's Memorial Day tweet, I don't think either of those cost them one little bit of support. And it did enrage their opponents. That's the way it goes. But there are more serious ways the left is trolling us right now. Even, you know, disrespect to our troops, disrespect to our country, that is par for the course now on the left. But the, the radicalism is getting even creepier, and it's really going after kids. So just a, a quick roundup now that we're, what, eight, hour, eight and a half hours into Pride Month. And boy, this is one for the, for the record books. Blue's Clues, which is a, Blue's Clues has been on the air forever, hasn't it? I mean, I remember it even when I was a kid. It was on, on the air. Blue's Clues, a Nickelodeon show, is teaming up with a drag queen this Pride Month to indoctrinate your kids. Hey, Blue, look at all these families. Hi, families. It's time for a pride parade. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. This family has two mommies. They love each other so proudly. And they all go marching in the big parade. Okay, so you you get the, the picture here. Uh, it, this is a cartoon drag queen and singing about families. This is going to be the key, I think, to understanding the radicalism here is it's not, hey, look at these lesbians, look at these gay guys, look at these transgender people, look at these, you know, various eccentric characters in the LGBT LMNOP rainbow. It's look at these families because having succeeded at redefining, redefining marriage, now the radical sexual revolutionary left is going to try to redefine the family. They're already doing that, but it doesn't redefine the family. When you, a family has a a natural component as well as a social component. The natural part, of course, is men and women are different. They come together, the birds and the bees, you know, they may, they call up the stork store and they get a little baby out of it. And then this propagates onward and you can extend outward. There are extended families, but it comes back to that mommy and daddy who get together one night and produce cute little baby. When you redefine the family to take away that natural component, you don't, you don't create a new family. You just destroy the family. There are all sorts of social, I have a million social relationships, but they are not the same as the family. Much like when you redefine marriage and you completely take out the, the sexual difference component, which has been intrinsic to marriage since the dawn of time, you don't, you don't just get new kinds of marriages. You actually destroy the institution of marriage. They're not just using cartoon drag queens here to, to push this. They're actually using little kids themselves to push this ideology. So on Blue's Clues, on the same show, they get this little girl, I don't know, she can't be more than six or seven years old, to read out an explanation of what this new sexual revolution looks like. It's an email from our friend. Pride month. Bye, Joe. Bye, Blue. 
So th- this is really insidious because it's not just indoctrinating kids in this new idea. And it's not, it's not just a new sexual idea. We'll get to this in a second. It's much bigger than that. But it's not even just in, indoctrinating the kids. It's actually using the kids, exploiting the kids as mouthpieces for this very radical sexual ideology. Not just Blue's Clues doing it, Kellogg's cereal. Kellogg's has a new cereal box that is encouraging kids to choose their own pronouns. So this, it's not, you've got it in the mainstream media. You've obviously got it in, in the corporate America. You know, all the corporations are going to have rainbows for the next month. And then you've got it most especially in the schools. So right now, Dalton School, which is a very posh private school, $55,000 a year to attend. The Dalton School has been caught uh, teaching little kids to pleasure themselves. So it's not, it's not even just the, the broader ideology of LGBT and the sexual revolution. It's actually instructing them that it is good to pleasure themselves. So that the director of health and wellness, Justine Ang Fonte at the, at the Dalton School, is now being reported by the New York Post, uh, instructing six-year-olds during her sex ed class to, to touch themselves because it feels good. There's a slight viewer, fewer discretion, uh, rec- pushed here. You know, I would, I would say maybe, uh, if, if you got kids watching right now, maybe lower the volume for about 60 seconds or, you know, skip one, two on there, because this is really, really creepy stuff. I almost didn't play it, except I think it's important to hear what is being taught in first grade classrooms now, all in the name of the sexual revolution. Hey, how come my penis gets big sometimes and points up in the air? That's called an erection. Sometimes I touch my penis because it feels good. Sometimes when I'm in my bath or when mom puts me to bed, I like to touch my vulva too. You have a clitoris there, Kayla, that probably feels good to touch the same way Keith's penis feels good when he touches it. But have you ever noticed that older kids and grown-ups don't touch their private parts in public? Hmm, they don't? That's right, Keith. It's okay to touch yourself and see how different body parts feel, but it's best to only do it in private. Well, if private parts are so special, why do you cover them up? Because they are private, silly. That's right, Kayla, because they are private. This, I think, is the single creepiest thing I've ever seen. I I don't think that's an exaggeration. You've got these little cartoon kitty voices talking about sex and uh, as Woody Allen says, sex with someone you love, right? Sex in the privacy of your own room. And then this teacher saying, well, it's good. It's okay. It's totally fine to do that in private, but you don't always want to do that in public. Now, this is part of the sex ed class at Dalton. The reason I even play it is not just how shocking and creepy it is, but it's to show what this is really about. Because the education that's being conveyed in this video is not just sexual education. There's a little bit of sexual education. Here's this body part. Here's this body part. But it goes much further than that. It's morality education. It's religious education. Because what this woman is saying is, look, given the laws of our society, it's not okay to do these sorts of things in public. But it's perfectly okay to do these sorts of things in private. That's a moral teaching. That's a religious teaching. That's not the Christian understanding of it. The Christian teaching is it's not okay to do that in private. Jewish understanding, as far as I know, I'm no expert, not okay to do, Muslim understanding, it's not okay to do that in private. But 
the leftist understanding is it is okay. It's actually good. You should be doing it. This goes back way, way far back. This goes back almost a hundred years to theorists like Wilhelm Reich, very creepy sexual and political theorist who said that all the problems of the world from war to disease are caused by a lack of orgasms. Seriously. Uh, he, he had, he had an or, uh, orgone accumulator is what he called it. It was a, like an orgasm box where, uh, many very intelligent leftists bought these boxes and sat in them. I don't know what they did. I don't, I don't want to know what they did in those boxes. Uh, but, but these theories were very popular. Bernie Sanders adopted them in the 1960s. He wrote creepy essays about it that he published in the uh, Vermont Freeman, I think the name is. I actually talk about this at some length in my upcoming book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available now for pre-order. You can get a signed first edition of Premier Collectibles. There was a very creepy focus on the need to sexualize kids. And the reason is, if you really believe that sexual repression is the cause of all these problems in the world, then you can't wait until people uh, embrace the oppression. You can't, can't wait until people decide they are going to repress themselves. You've got to get them at their very youngest point. And so you've got to go into the schools and you've got to indoctrinate kids in this radical sexual ideology. It's creepy, it's pervy, but for the left, it serves a political purpose. When we want to protect ourselves from all sorts of things, highly recommend checking out Ring. It's very important to be able to keep an eye on your house, what's going on inside and especially what's going on outside, especially for me right now, because I have my cute little four-month-old baby. All right. So I want to make sure that he's hanging out with the right crowd, you know, when his little baby friends roll up in the Hot Wheels. I want to be able to look and say, okay, are you going to, is this the right kind of baby crowd that you want to be hanging out with? If you want to know who's at your door, I strongly recommend you check out Ring. To get Ring Alarm for yourself, you just, it's very simple, head on over to ring.com slash Knowles. It's a great way to start your Ring experience. Uh, I really love these guys. You can see and speak to whoever, whoever is at your door, whether you're in your home or whether you're, you're at the office or whether you're on vacation on the other side of the world. It's a terrific way to do it. You can do it right from your phone. If it's, you know, the pizza delivery guy, you go open the door. If it's your mother-in-law, maybe you, you know, you just, you use your judgment. You use your own prudence. Okay. It's great. It makes a great gift as well uh, because it's super terrific technology and not very expensive. So you, you get credit for a great gift. Start protecting your home today with Ring Alarm. Go to ring.com slash Knowles to get your Ring Alarm security kit. You can build the system that's right for you. Have it up and running in minutes. That's ring.com slash Knowles, ring.com slash Knowles. Ring, a great way to protect yourself today. So you got the left focusing on this really, really creepy sex stuff. And to give them their credit, it's not just because they're perverts it does have a political purpose. Ginning up lust, ginning up licentiousness, lecherousness, all this sort of stuff is designed to control you politically. And I know that sounds kind of conspiratorial, but it's actually a very basic principle. Free people cultivate their higher will and their intellect so they can control all of their base appetites. Unfree people slavish people just pursue their basest desires, whether that's for drugs, whether that's for sex, whether that's for any, any sort of base desire. The example I often use is the heroin addict, the heroin addict who just shoots up heroin all the time. According to the modern leftist view seems very free because he can do whatever he wants and he can go shoot up and that's nobody's going to stop him. But we all know he's a slave. And this is true of all of our passions and our lusts, especially sexual ones, because it's a very big driver of, of human behavior, especially for dudes. So the left does have a vested interest in breaking down all, all these sorts of um, moral codes. 
And the founding fathers wrote about this, right? They said, you, you should not abuse your liberty to licentiousness. He's very, very focused on that sort of thing. And the whole point of Pride Month, it's not even just, a, it's not about gay people really anymore, right? I mean, it, I guess that's part of it, but it's about all this sort of sexual stuff, which actually tends to have a much broader point now. This is religious education that people are being taught. It's a, it's a part of the liturgical calendar. I mean, You've got the religious, you know, the Christian liturgical calendar. You've got months to the sacred heart of Jesus or the months to the Holy Family or whatever. And in the leftist calendar, you've got months to pride. You've got months to women's history. You've got months to black history, right? All these sorts of things. We are following these religious pathways. We're following these religious longings because man is fundamentally a religious being and all human conflict is theological. But some Republicans don't get that. And I'm thinking right now of Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan, who was the former speaker of the house, right? He was a leader of the sort of dignified Republican party. I know a lot of people hate, I say dignified in quotes, you know, it's I'm, I'm the Republican with dignity. I'm the sort of, you know, the, the sophisticated Republican, not that kind of conservative. A lot of people have great antipathy toward Paul Ryan. I don't, you know, I thought he was good on entitlement reform. He's, but he doesn't know what time it is. He's kind of missing the point. He gave a big speech at the Reagan library last week in which he laid out his vision for the Republican party. And I want to like Paul Ryan. I want to support Paul Ryan. He seems like a nice guy, but he just totally missed the point. You've got kid, you've got kids being steeped in this insane leftist, pervy sexual ideology. And all Paul Ryan wants to talk about is going back to the 1980s, basically. So he opens up and he says, look, the party that's following Trump, we've got to stop that. If we, if we just have this obsession with this one guy, we're not going to move forward as a party. 2020 left Republicans powerless in Washington. Even worse, it was horrifying to see a presidency come to such a dishonorable and disgraceful end. So, once again, we conservatives find ourselves at a crossroads. And here's the reality that we have to face. If the conservative cause depends on the populist appeal of one personality or of second-rate imitations, then we're not going anywhere. Voters looking for Republican leaders want to see independence in metal. They will not be impressed by the sight of yes-men and flatterers flocking to Mar-a-Lago. We win majorities by directing our loyalty and respect to voters and by staying faithful to the conservative principles that unite us. Okay, so no cult of personality. We can't just be focused on one guy or second-rate imitators. We've got to talk about something beyond just one guy. So what are we going to talk about, Paul Ryan? Even 40 years after President Reagan's first inauguration, we all remember him with a special respect and affection. He was exactly the man America needed at a crucial moment. We appreciate him only more from a distance of time now. To this day, whenever I'm asked to describe my own political outlook, there's no term that fits more comfortably than Reagan conservative. Just think how different the world would look today without this one man whose arrival in American politics still seems providential. You know, it's a measure of his impact that there are statutes of this man, not just here in Simi Valley, but also in our capital rotunda, in London, 
in Gdansk, Poland, in Warsaw, in Budapest, in Berlin, near where the wall used to be, and in many other places where Reagan will always be an honored name. We've got to stop being a cult of personality. You know, we've got to, all these stupid Trump people. They just, all they care about is this one man. We got to stop that. And talk about Reagan, 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 Reagan. We've got to stop following the cheap imitators of that one cult of personality, you know? Which is why I'm a Reagan conservative. All my views are from Ronald Reagan. We need to go. <laughs> Do you hear yourself? Do you hear? Look, I love Ronald Reagan. I like Donald Trump a lot too. I like these guys. But <laughs> you can't attack the Trump people for the cult of personality when every other word out of your mouth is Ronald Reagan. Now, eventually, Paul Ryan comes to a point. He comes to the issues that we've got to talk about. What is it? We got six-year-olds being told to do all sorts of creepy sex stuff to themselves. We've got other six-year-olds on kids' television shows teaming up with drag queens talking about the transgender flag. So what is it? What's, what's going to be the big focus here, Paul Ryan? What the, oh, the biggest issue is, let me check my notes, taxes. And then there was the first major revision of the tax code since 1986. The previous code was what people had in mind when they talked about the swamp. That's right there. That is not what people had in mind when they talk about the swamp. When people talk about the swamp, they talk about the gigantic national security state and intelligence gathering state that undermined a duly elected president for four years, at least for four years. That's what we're talking about with the swamp. We're not just talking about freaking taxes. Paul Ryan, he goes through, he says, what did we do when we were, when I was the speaker? And we, well, we did this and we, and he's talking about all these little things. We beefed up the defense budget. We did this, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But the most important thing we did, the greatest, most conservative thing in the whole wide world is cutting taxes a little bit. It was a constant drag on economic productivity and entrepreneurship driving capital and jobs outside of the United States. It was such a fixture that few people thought it could be reformed and most had given up trying. We needed to lower the rates, clear away the favors and the clutter, and sharpen America's competitive edge. Tax reform was a big piece of business. I worked at it myself for two decades in Congress. And in 2017, we got it done. This is the main reason why at the start of 2020, the United States was seeing such powerful and inclusive economic growth. We saw increased revenue from a broader tax base, capital and jobs coming back to America, the best wage growth for low income earners in more than a decade, and unemployment at a 50 year low for every demographic. These historic reforms were a triumph of practical conservative policy, a model of shared prosperity and upward mobility that we've always talked about. It was the populism of President Trump in action, tethered to conservative principles. And we conservatives have got to be careful not to get caught up in every little cultural battle. Sometimes these skirmishes are just creations of outraged peddlers detached from reality and not worth anybody's time. <sighs> oh, did, he, did he finally stop talking about taxes? Is he, I don't know, I, I sort of lost track there for a moment. We need to stop, hold on, I think... In my dream fugue state, I, I think I heard that we need to focus on cutting taxes a little bit again. That will save the country. You know, we cut taxes in 86. The only policy we've all, all agreed on since then is cutting taxes. During that time, 
The definition of marriage has fallen apart. We've now got transgenderism in the schools. BLM is on the rise, burning down the country. Antifa is threatening any conservative speaker. You're barely allowed to wave the American flag in your workplace anymore. But hey, at least we cut taxes, the most conservative policy imaginable. And you know, there are, look, there are these cultural distractions, culture war distractions, but we, we shouldn't focus on that, guys. We got to focus on what really matters, which is saving a little bit more money, which by the way, doesn't even end up saving you money. And it doesn't even, look, I love tax cuts as much as the next guy. It doesn't end up saving you money because if all you focus on is keeping a little bit more money and you let the entire culture go away, then the culture is going to come back and take your money, which is what's happening right now. So it's happening right now. There were no lasting gains. I can't believe this guy gave this speech at this moment. It's like he is living on another planet. He's just, they're following, this happened in, in 92. There was a big debate in the Republican party. Do you go the George H.W. Bush route? We've just won the Cold War. Do you only pursue slightly better trade deals or, and end up actually raising taxes if you're George H.W. Bush? Or do you go the Pat Buchanan route and actually focus on the cultural stuff? The GOP chose the Bush route. Look where we are today. Speaking of financial matters, you got to check out Truebill. Truebill is the smartest way to manage your finances. It's an easy to use app. You can review your recurring charges in one place and cancel subscriptions directly through the app. Truebill has a variety of tools to help customers improve their finances. You create a monthly budget, you track and evaluate savings goals and get push notifications when you're getting close to going over your budget or when your cash is running low. Work with many of the nation's top providers to negotiate and lower your bills People think that they spend around 80 bucks a month on subscriptions. Do you know what the actual number is? It's closer to $200 a month, okay? Truebill has saved its users more than $50 million. That's a lot of money. I, and by the way, if, you're, if your bills are $50 million a month, you've got other problems as well. Go check out Truebill. The average person saves $720 per year with Truebill. Could you use an extra $720? I certainly could. Get started today with Truebill.com slash Take control of your finances. Start saving at Truebill.com slash Knowles. That is Truebill.com slash Knowles. Go check out Truebill today. Oh, there's, Ben's going to be talking about a lot of great stuff today. He's going to be talking about when the demand for racism outstrips supply. Uh, he's going to be talking about the actress Ellie Kemper. I don't even, a lot of these woke actors and actresses, I don't even know about them. So go check that out. You can also check out Ben's new book, The Authoritarian Moment, which is available now for pre-order at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and any other major bookseller. Uh, someday when I run for office, that will be my campaign tagline. Knowles 2024, The Authoritarian Moment. So go, <laughs> go get a preview at uh, Ben's book today. We'll be right back with a lot more. Paul Ryan is not the only Republican politician who doesn't know what time it is. There's another guy who is, is a movie star, but he seems to want to become a politician who also just has no idea what time it is. That would be Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Matthew McConaughey appeared on the Carlos Watson show and his, his big move to get into Texas Republican politics was to defend the masks. Now we talked on the show on Friday about a new study that's out that shows that the masks are completely ineffective. The only effect they have is political, no particular medical or scientific benefit. I know that the, the censors and the fact checkers are going to hate that. Go back and watch the show. I read the, the study at, at times verbatim. Matthew McConaughey goes on the show. He goes, I'm not believing 
you know, I can't, I can't really do a McConaughey. I'm not believing you're really scared of this little cotton thing. I'm not believing you really feel that takes away your identity and your freedom. This, the mask, is a short-term inconvenience for long-term freedom. There's no data that says it's not a good thing. No data that says it's harmful. So again, that, that isn't true. You can go back and watch the shows. Let's all take one for the team here. McConaughey just like totally, totally wrong. Perfectly wrong here. Uh, it's not that I'm scared of the little cotton thing. I mean, they're filthy. They're disgusting masks. So I don't like that. I find that repulsive. But I'm not, I'm not afraid of the mask. I'm afraid of what it does to our politics. I'm not really believing you think this takes away your identity and your freedom. It certainly takes away my freedom. I'm not allowed. I'm just muzzled myself everywhere now. Uh, it takes away many of my political rights. Uh, but also, it does take away my identity. It covers up my face. A- Aristotle says man is the political animal because we can speak. So when you muzzle yourself up, you are depriving yourself of quite a bit of your freedom and your identity. It's a short-term inconvenience for long-term freedom. It was supposed to be 15 days. You remember that? And from the beginning, there were the pro-mask people, even pro-mask conservatives who said, look, if we just wear the mask for a little, we can get back to normal life. And I said, that's not true. That's BS. They're going to use the masks as a symbol of how we can't get back to normal life. Because People don't ordinarily wear masks. When you see a mask, it doesn't assuage your anxiety. It actually makes you feel more anxious because you think, oh my gosh, we're really in the heat of something bad here, folks. If we had just taken the masks off from the beginning, well, I guess I did, but a number of people did not. If we as a culture had taken the masks off from the beginning, we would be in a far, far better political situation. So McConaughey is is thinking that he might run for governor of Texas or something. Uh, He should not. He should not run. He should not be elected. This reminds us that it is good to elect people who know things. I know that politics has always been a sort of popularity contest. Increasingly, it's become a reality TV show. It is good to elect people who know things. You know, Donald Trump is like Edmund Burke compared to Matthew McConaughey. This guy doesn't know anything. If if this is the kind of statement he's making, he doesn't know anything about politics. And that's fine. Maybe he can learn. Maybe he can wise up. But in the meantime, it's kind of, kind of gets me on the Caitlyn Jenner point in California. Why would we elect a very liberal person who maybe would cut taxes or something if they're going to throw away the whole culture, if they're going to say, yeah, we should all muzzle up ad infinitum or yes, we should embrace radical gender ideology. Why would we do that to save a little money on taxes? It won't last. Even that won't last. It wouldn't be a good deal even if it did. But if you're going to lose the whole culture, it just ain't worth it, folks. Yes, we'll save 30 pieces of silver on your taxes, but you'll lose the whole thing. Now, some politicians do have their priorities in order. I'm speaking, of course, about my friend Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz, uh, along with Mike Braun and Cynthia Lummis, three Republican senators, just introduced a bill on Friday to ban the federal government from establishing coronavirus passports. I love this. I'm so glad that Senator Cruz is doing this. So much of the COVID fight is at the state level because that's where a lot of the mandates are going to be enforced and where they're really going to affect people. But you can do some stuff at the federal level. And Senator Cruz is leading the way here, which is ban the coronavirus passports. It is insane. It's a huge invasion of privacy. It is a a huge handing over of our medical data to people that I don't think deserve it. It's all for a virus that poses relatively little threat to most people, right? To young people have basically zero risk at all. And people who are in at-risk groups, very unhealthy or overweight people or very old people can take precautions. But there is no reason to require this insane uh, passport to show that you've had the 
hastily developed vaccine, where we're hearing more and more stories every day about issues with that vaccine or with those vaccines rather. Uh, Cruz, great, doing a great job as are uh, Senators Braun and Lummis. Also, Dan Crenshaw and Tom Cotton doing great stuff. Uh, it's so rare that anything good happens out of the Capitol that I, I feel we should highlight it when, they, when it does. Uh, Dan and, uh, and Senator Cotton came out and they're both military veterans and they are teaming up to create a whistleblower form for military members if they spot woke training efforts. So you've, you remember this, you saw the army ad that came out last month where, you know, the, the woman soldier says, you know, the reason that I'm such a great soldier is because I was raised by two lesbians and I went to a lot of pride parades and that's, what's going to really help me kill my enemies. And then we compared that to the Russian army ad, which is like, duh, the job. And some guy with a neck, you know, the size of a school bus, who's just like shooting guns at his enemies. And you think, well, one of these is more intimidating than the other one. Um, we, we were told you can never criticize the sort of woke infiltration of the military. Well, Dan and, and, uh, Senator Cotton are doing that. So, uh, great stuff. I'm really glad they're doing it. We do need to push back. There is no definition of freedom or tolerance that should permit us to tolerate this kind of insanity. And you're going to see a lot more of it. This is day one. We're now officially nine hours into day one of Pride Month. It's going to get crazier. Speaking of our officials overseas, some more great stuff coming out of the House, led by the new GOP conference chair, Elise Stefanik, who, you know, I've said I'm a little skeptical of her. She's got a bit of a liberal voting record, but this is great stuff. Got to give her credit. Got to give some encouragement. Elise uh, Stefanik, uh, Nicole Maliotakis. I'm probably going to mispronounce a lot of these names. Ken Buck, Michael Guest, Daryl Issa, Brian Mast, and Pete Sessions. I uh, just introduced the Stars and Stripes Act of 2021. Very simple. It, after the Secretary of State under Biden said that embassies abroad can fly the BLM flag. Can you imagine that? And uh, embassies abroad are flying other flags, including the gay pride flag. This bill comes out and says that uh, no, the, the only flags that you're allowed to fly at these embassies are the U.S. flag, good, the flag of the country where the, where the embassy is located, makes sense, the flag of a state, territory, or possession of the United States, fair enough, a departmental or secretarial flag, so you know the State Department flag or whatever, one of these, or the prisoner of war missing an action flag, which, you know, in past, what, five or six decades has, has been popularized for our servicemen who were left abroad. Uh, those are the only ones. Those are the five flags that you can fly. I love it. Absolutely right. A BLM flag has no place on uh, an embassy. The pride flag has no place on an embassy. There, there, is, there is some political significance here in that the BLM flag and the pride flag are sort of symbols of American imperial hegemony, right? They, they are flags that are associated with the imperial ambitions of America because they're transnational ambitions that seek to gin up uh, tensions and political movements overseas as well because they make universal claims, BLM, about the oppression of black people and pride about sexual oppression. So it's just, this goes well beyond national boundaries, but we should, we should not be flying either of those flags. No way about it. Now, speaking of BLM, some actually some good news coming out of BLM. You ever thought I'd say that? The uh, founder of the Black Lives Matter chapter in St. Paul, Minnesota. So this is the Black Lives Matter chapter in a place that is very, very involved in the riots of 2020, right? Twin Cities were kind of leading the charge after the death of George Floyd. This guy, Richard Turner, uh, just posted a video last week in which he said he quit BLM after he learned the ugly truth as an insider of that group. Take a listen. That's why in 2015, 
I was a founder of Black Lives Matter in St. Paul. I believe the organization stood for exactly what the name implies. Black lives do matter. However, after a year on the inside, I learned they had little concern for rebuilding black families. And they cared even less about improving the quality of education for students in Minneapolis. That was made clear when they publicly denounced charter schools alongside the teachers union. I was an insider in Black Lives Matter, and I learned the ugly truth. The moratorium on charter schools does not support rebuilding the black family, but it does create barriers to a better education for black children. I resigned from Black Lives Matter after a year and a half, but I didn't quit working to improve black lives and access to a great education. Today, I serve as the president and executive director of Minnesota Parent Union. We're dedicated to helping parents move their children from failing schools to successful schools. It's hard work, and we're up against forces that don't want us to succeed. But success is possible. Just look at me and the hundreds of children and families we've helped to pursue a great education, break the chains of poverty, and lead a life of success. Great stuff. I'm, you know, glad to see that he's hopped out of BLM and he's doing something productive. This is great stuff. He said here that he was shocked because he thought that BLM was going to be about rebuilding the black family. Uh, But then it turns out they actually don't. They're just kind of in cahoots with these crooked political organizations like the teacher unions who are opposing charter schools, which are one of the few opportunities for poor and disproportionately black people to break out of bad schools and get a good education. He should have read the BLM website before he joined up because the BLM website was very clear about this. They said they they don't want to rebuild the family. They want to disrupt the family. Do you remember? They've since taken the page down, but it was up for years. The page said, and I'm only slightly paraphrasing, uh, Black Lives Matter seeks to disrupt the uh, Western prescribed nuclear family structure. And that's what this is all about. It goes right back to that drag queen at the top of the show on Blue's Clues. It says, look at all these families. Look at all these families. They're not, they're, they're not recognizing different types of families. They are trying to destroy the family structure itself. The same radicals who are pushing BLM and the radical pride ideology and all of these things see the family as an impediment to liberation. And it actually makes sense. The family is the basic political institution and the, the progressive project is about destroying all of those intermediating political institutions that prevent them from taking full power. Because you, you are inhibited from t- total liberation by your family, right? If, if you define liberation as just doing whatever you want at any given time, if you define it as licentiousness, then the family does stop you from doing that because daddy will come in and say, nope, don't do that, son. The local, local government does that too. The local institutions, the church does that too, which is why the left, in the name of liberation, seeks to destroy all of those institutions, but most especially the family, because that's the hardest nut to crack. That's the, the natural political institution that they can't quite get over. So they're going to put all their guns behind it. They're going to put all of their resources and efforts behind that sort of thing. And they'll do it through BLM. BLM are, are good, useful idiots for that, or, or through the radical pride ideology. But that is what they are after. And the, the radicals are not just in BLM, okay? It's not just Richard Turner's former colleagues. They're all the way up at the top of the federal government. Joe Biden, whose who's great political utility right now is that he doesn't seem like a radical because he's held relatively conservative positions in the past. And he's an extremely old guy who talks very quietly and mumbles his words. And he just, he doesn't seem 
totally extreme. But Joe Biden is nothing, right? That, that, the trick of Joe Biden is that he doesn't believe anything. He just wakes up, he licks his index finger, figures out which way the wind is blowing, and he goes there. So now, old sleepy Joe is, has changed his opinion on a lot of important political issues to follow the radical left because he thought it would help him politically. And one of those issues is the Hyde Amendment. So right now, what is the Hyde Amendment? The Hyde Amendment uh, uh, prohibits taxpayer dollars from going to abortion. And it's kind of fake because we still give taxpayer dollars to Planned Parenthood. We just say you can't spend this money on abortion. But money is fungible. It's not like you take a dollar and you say, okay, this dollar is going to go here, but this dollar can't go here. You just throw in a bank account and they spend it however, however they're going to spend it. Uh, still, hypocrisy is the tribute vice pays to virtue. We've had this very firm line here for years and years. Joe Biden was a big defender of that line. Well, now he's getting rid of it. In the 2022 budget, that he is proposing that will include taxpayer funding for abortion. And the argument he gives is actually somewhat sound. It's ghastly, it's evil, but it's somewhat sound. Here's what he writes. Quote, I laid out a health care plan that's going to provide federally funded health care for all women and women who are now denied even Medicare in their home states. Uh, it became really clear to me that although the Hyde Amendment was designed to try to split the difference here, you might say split the baby, to make sure women still had access, you can't have access if everybody's covered by a federal policy. That's why at the same time I announced the policy, I announced that I could no longer continue to abide by the Hyde Amendment. That's the reason. His, his argument is coherent, which is something that is not often said about Joe Biden. What he's saying is, yeah, look, when, when we used to have a lot of different choices, when we used to have a lot of different places that were offering health insurance, when we used to have a lot of intermediating institutions, when we used to have all the way down to families taking care of you, but certainly at the local community, the church, your employer, health insurance, when we had all that, we could have the Hyde Amendment. Because you could just go to somewhere else that, that is offering you abortion access. But now that we've destroyed all those institutions, now that you're forced or strongly, strongly uh, incentivized to go to the federal government, we can't. It's, got, it's a one-size-fits-all policy. So we've got to pay for the abortions. Now, I think this was the plan all along. But that, that we are seeing this play out in real time right now. And the, it's not just the drag queens on Blue's Clues that are pushing the radicalism. It goes all the way up to the top. The, the drag queens on Blue's Clues are a symptom of the broader establishment problem of how far left it's going. Speaking of radicals in public office, it's not just Joe Biden. We've got the most radical guy in public office, most powerful politician in the country. You know who that is? Dr. Fauci. Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the U.S. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases since, I think, the year 1732. Um, Dr. Fauci is in big trouble now. There is a big new report out about his role in the origins of the coronavirus. And I know that that report did not come out of the United States because the mainstream media here are totally in lockstep with, with the left and with Dr. Fauci. So you have to go all the way to Australia. You get this report in the Australian right now. It's hard to find. Uh, headline, Anthony Fauci backed virus experiments despite pandemic risks. So two big issues here with Fauci. One, Fauci did not warn Trump administration officials when the ban on gain of function research ended in 2017. So there had been a ban up until the very first days of the Trump administration on the kind of research, gain of function, which just beefs up natural diseases and makes them more transmissible, more infectious, the, the sort of stuff that we're seeing right now with the coronavirus. When that ban ended, the guy who's supposed to serve the president did not tell them that. 
because he thought that it would be a good thing. Fauci had previously argued that that there are risks to gain a function research. You could unleash a worldwide pandemic. He acknowledged this. Uh, It's all here in this report in the Australian. But he said the benefits outweigh the potential risks. And Dr. Fauci was, you'll be shocked to hear this, wrong. He was dead wrong yet again. Yeah, and it's not even that he lied this time. He has lied in the past, but it's not just that he lied this time. It's just that he was wrong. Okay. Dr. Fauci wrong again. Trump and all the people who called this stuff a year ago, you know, I hate to say I told you so, were right again. And the mainstream media are having a, a really tough time admitting this. So a year ago, going back to this gain of function research, going back to the Wuhan laboratory, a lot of people said that it is not guaranteed, but very plausible that the virus came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which had been conducting this kind of research. We were called conspiracy theorists and idiots and rubes and dummies and unscientific. And it turns out now we were right. Not that it definitely hundred percent came from the lab, but that it looks increasingly likely that it did. John Carl on ABC news had to admit that just because Donald Trump says something does not mean that it is necessarily incorrect. And yes, I think a lot of people have egg on their face. This was an idea uh, that, that was first put forward by Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, Donald Trump. And look, some things may be true even if Donald Trump said them. And there was, because Trump was saying so much else that was just out of control and because he was, uh, you know, making a, a, a frankly racist appeal talking about Kung flu and, and the China virus, his notion that, that, that put forward that this may have, or he said flatly that this, this came from that lab, was widely dismissed. But actually, there's some real reason. We don't know, by the way. We still don't know. We absolutely don't know. Uh, but now serious people are saying it needs a serious inquiry. Oh, now the serious people are saying that. This, you see, unserious people, racist, evil, terrible, racist. Why is it? Because we said the virus came from China. That's racist. You're not allowed to say that. You can say the UK variant, but you can't say the China virus. Okay. Okay, John Coral. But he says, look, all these unserious people a year ago were right. And all, all the serious people were wrong. But now that the serious people are saying that we were, we were right, now we have to take it seriously. You think maybe John Coral is confusing who the serious people here are? Because I, I'm uh, sort of not convinced that the Dr. Fauci's of the world and the mainstream media of the world and the guys who got every single step of this wrong, I'm not convinced they're the serious ones. I think maybe we're the serious ones. I think maybe it's exactly the opposite of what we have been told. Uh, All of this going back to China, by the way, (laughs) you remember last week, uh, John Cena, the fast and furious guy made this groveling apology in Mandarin for saying that Taiwan is a country. He was apologizing to China. Well, didn't get him very far. According to the Hollywood reporter, fast and furious nine is bombing at the Chinese box office. Uh, the, the receipts from it dropped 85% in the second weekend. Uh, the lesson here I think is just never apologize to the leftist mob. I was talking about this with Megan Kelly about a month or so ago. We're talking about all these canceled, canceled people who go out and they make groveling apologies and they say, please, I'm sorry. I'm you know, Chris Harrison on The Bachelor or something like that. I'm so sorry. And it's pathetic because it reminds me of that scene in Breaking Bad where 
where the uh, brother-in-law, the cop brother-in-law is lying there, you know, the Mexican gangster is about to shoot him and, and Hank, or rather Walter White says to Hank, his brother-in-law says, just, just a grovel, please beg, apologize, just do whatever. And, uh, and the brother-in-law and the granny said, oh, you're the smartest guy I know, but you don't realize this guy made up his mind to kill me 10 minutes ago. The, the mob is already going to kill you. China made up its mind 10 minutes ago before John Cena made the apology. The question is not, am I going to get to keep my money? Am I going to get to keep my career? The question is, am I going to lose my, lose my dignity while I lose my career? That's the only question. You're going to keep your dignity or are you going to lose your dignity? You know, ch- uh, China is uh, carrying a lot of sway these days. Again, not just on the John Cena's of the world, not just in Hollywood, all the way up to the top. Joe Biden is getting in trouble because he keeps quoting Chairman Mao. Take a listen. There's a saying we use in a different context, a Chinese saying. It says, women hold up half the world. It's an absolutely stupid position not to make sure they represent at least half of what we do. So Biden's been quoting this ad nauseum. It's not just an old Chinese saying. It's a saying from Chairman Mao, the communist revolutionary who killed tens of millions of people in China. Maybe the worst mass murderer in world history. And he's quoting him. Not why? Because, because Joe Biden's a Maoist. No, there are plenty of Maoists on the left, but because Joe Biden goes along to get along. And that is where the left is right now. They're quoting him out. By the way, though, speaking of China, China just, they had the one child policy for a very long time. You couldn't have more, more than one kid. They would force abortions and sterilization on you. Then it became two children. Now it's three children because they, they want to avoid a population collapse and they want to rebuild their family. I think they're seeing ahead a little bit more here. Meanwhile, here in the United States, here in the West, we are doing our damnedest to destroy the family through policy, through culture, through radical ideologies that we're going to have to be talking about now for an entire month. We'll have a lot more to talk about. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Bore. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. The children's show Blue's Clues releases an episode featuring a drag queen, a pride parade, and pansexuals. A school in New York City shows a graphic video about masturbation to six-year-olds. The NBA All-Star says that he's the victim of the underlying racism of fans. And in our daily cancellation, we'll talk about the obese woman who says that you are morally obligated to find her attractive. You have no choice. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show.